So there's a lot of debate about this, and I think probably a lot of deeply ingrained personal preferences that go back decades. But Casey, I think, I, I believe the best way to explain why x86 still exists and why Intel and AMD continue to pour money into improving it is... Ultimately, it sounds like Apple and Qualcomm are just trying to get a cut of the, the next PC markets that's going to emerge. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, we're going to be talking about Apple and Qualcomm today, Apple stock versus Qualcomm stock. There is a new race heating up in the laptop world and the processors that power our everyday devices. Apple has released a new M3 chip recently, and Qualcomm has promised that next year we will have a possible competitor to the x86 chips that dominate the market today. So we're going to talk about both of these companies, their business models, and which one is a better buy right now. So maybe a quick note here. Of course, Casey and I are not tech spec reviewers. We are going to be talking a little bit about specs on laptops. But if you want like a more in-depth, nuanced discussion of that, Lots of folks out there on YouTube, lots of media articles that cover that. We're going to be talking about a lot of this in the light of the industry overall and business models. Hopefully that's obvious, but maybe not. So worth mentioning, right, Casey? To start our discussion off, we need to talk a little bit about history. And for reference, you could go back and watch our Moore's Law videos, both one and two, which I'll link here in the video and in the description. But just as a refresher, microprocessors like the CPU that are found in our laptops are a type of chip that are responsible for handling all of that compute power. They process the ones and zeros that make everything possible. Nick, how does all of this work? Yeah, so Casey, those ones and zeros that, that you mentioned, that processors use to operate software, those ones and zeros are created by those electrical on-off switches on the surface of chips called transistors. You'll hear later on as you're delving into Qualcomm and Apple talking about their respective chips, talk about the billions of transistors packed into each chip. And so how do those on-off switches, how do those actually make computations with the ones and zeros? Well, that's governed by what's called an ISA or instruction set architecture. You can think of this as a, a type of interface between the processor, between the chip itself and the ultimate software that it runs, that it operates. You know, the apps that we use on our smartphones and on our laptops and our PCs. There are two basic types of ISA, CISC, Complex Instruction Set Computer, and RISC, Reduced Instruction Set Computer. You hear RISC thrown around a lot there these days because of ARM and also RISC-V. Different discussion, but let's delve into this brief history lesson. Before continuing... Let me remind you to hit the like button 
and subscribe to the channel. If this video is helpful as you do your own investment research and increase your knowledge of business and technology, we really appreciate the support as subscribing to the channel helps us continue putting out content like this. So back in the 1970s, it was Intel that developed a CISC, a complex instruction set computer called x86. This was specifically for CPUs, for microprocessors that became industry standard for many decades. And then in the 1980s, because Intel had a monopoly on this, it eventually became dictated that AMD would become a second x86 processor provider and AMD would just pay Intel royalties for its use. So that's how we have this x86 chip uh, duopoly today. If you have a PC or a laptop, it is almost for certain that you have an Intel or an AMD CPU in it, right? But back in 1990, Apple invested in a small startup called Advanced Risk Machines, that risk again being reduced instruction set computer. Today, we simply just call this company ARM, ticker symbol ARM, which just had its IPO. So this risk ISA that Apple invested in, its goal was to have that simplified or reduced instruction set for the processing so that you could have a very energy efficient yet still powerful computing experience. And this eventually led to the smartphone revolution that Apple helped kick off with first the iPod and then later the iPhone, because these things were so energy efficient, they could run on a battery. And now you have these devices in our pockets, on our wrists, in our ears, so on and so forth. But there's a key difference though between CISC or x86 and RISC ARM. The two architectures are not compatible with each other. These two different sets of computing architecture are similar to, let's say, a set of Legos. You can't add a knockoff set of building blocks to Legos to make a building. It just doesn't work. They don't mix, right? That's That sounds like a fair comparison. Yeah, they don't mix. They ultimately do the same thing. You know, you have an application, x86 typically is, is a desktop or, or laptop on Windows, running on Windows, and maybe ARM is, is more of like a mobile application experience. Ultimately, it's still an app, it's still software, but the two things are not compatible because that architecture is different. So yeah, let's call it Legos versus some knockoff like Megablocks. I guess this begs the question then, Nick, why, if ARM is such a great power efficient computing system, and it is, we've, we know that based on our, all of our mobile devices, why didn't we just switch to ARM in the beginning? Why do we still have x86 running in our computers? Okay. So there's a lot of debate about this. And I think probably a lot of deeply ingrained personal preferences that go back decades. But Casey, I think I believe the best way to explain why x86 still exists and why Intel and AMD continue to pour money into improving it is ultimately software, right? There is still a massive amount of software out there built on top of that x86 architecture. Let's say, you know, Windows, every Windows application you use, Microsoft Word, Microsoft Word now runs on ARM, but like it didn't automatically just run on ARM. A team of developers have to go in and 
change the underlying architecture so that x86-based software now runs on an ARM-based chip, an ARM-based system. You're basically having to go in and change the foundation to match everything built on top of it, if that makes sense. So for decades now, that has been the x86 Intel and AMD duopoly defense is the very foundation of most of the world's software was written on its foundation and ARM and reduced instruction set architecture that came along later was built on a different foundation. So you have these two foundations that are not compatible with each other. And if you want all the software, x86 software that we rely on every day on our laptops and PCs to work on ARM, you need to pour lots of development dollars into making it compatible with ARM. So that's been the defense. That's why Apple has sort of developed as its own standalone ecosystem apart from laptops and PCs. Yeah, that makes total sense, Nick. But why did Apple use x86 chips in their MacBooks then? Why didn't they just go automatically to an ARM processor at the very beginning? Because of this unique ecosystem that they had already. So I think this is also part of the history, right? Absolutely. I think that speaks to that monopolistic chip empire Intel was sitting atop for decades. And a lot of companies have been chipping away at it for a long time. And it's just taken this long to get to the point where there were enough competing technologies out there for Apple to branch off completely and say, we're doing our own thing. So this brings us to 2012, when rumors started that Apple was developing its own PC processor in a planned exit from Intel. Right. This is an interesting starting point for the rest of our discussion, Casey, because at this point in 2012, the iPhone has been out for a few years. There's a few generations of iPhone now. It has spawned the mobile computing revolution. The obvious benefits of these ARM-based chips are now apparent. So yeah, 2012, these rumors surfaced that, hey, everything that's great about the iPhone might actually come to the Mac universe. And interesting enough, Casey, also in 2012, Windows RT devices launch alongside Windows 8. Do you remember Windows 8? I don't think anyone remembers Windows RT. Maybe a few of you remember Windows 8 and that kind of disaster of an operating system. But Windows RT, they created a tablet running on Windows based on ARM-based chips. But just a few years later, Windows RT is declared dead. In 2015, there's lackluster device sales. It ultimately lost Microsoft a few hundred million bucks. And they said, we're done. We're, Windows RT is finished. Essentially what happened here then is these two areas grew apart from each other and continued in that fashion. Smartphones and tablets continued on the ARM-based processor. PCs and laptops continued on the x86 processor. They remained in two separate camps, smartphones, tablets on one side, PCs, laptops on the other. But in 2016, Qualcomm announced an exclusive right to design ARM-based processors for Microsoft Windows laptops. Yeah, that's right. So Windows RT is dead. So there's no bridge between Windows and x86 with those ARM-based chips for mobile. 
but they're still at it. In 2017, uh, a little bit later that year, Casey, this Windows on ARM project was announced. Qualcomm said by 2018, they would have devices, specifically laptops and tablets, using this Windows on ARM platform, using ARM-based chips, but still the Windows operating system. Uh, However, adoption was, again, not very great. It goes back to the software support. Most of the Windows-based applications built atop that x86 platform with Intel and AMD, the underlying chips, the support for that was very limited. And so if there's a limited number of applications you can use, well, the likelihood of you buying one of these devices uh, suddenly goes close to zero. The trend continues. We've got PC laptop on one side, smartphones and tablets dominated by Apple and Android on the other. But something really big changed in 2020 that added extra impetus for Windows to really, really get serious about adopting ARM instead of x86. And that was the Apple M1 chip, right? Yes. In November of 2020, Apple announced that M1 chip based on ARM architecture. And so that was bringing the iPhone experience, which is seamless performance between device and apps and better battery life to Mac computers and MacBook. As of this summer, Apple has completely done away with x86 in either their Macs or MacBooks. They're all ARM-based processors. Yes, very sad for Intel. Long, slow decline there. Let's fast forward a few more months to January 2021. Qualcomm announces just a few months later, after kind of fiddling around with this Windows on ARM project, that is is acquiring a startup called Nuvia. So Nuvia was founded in 2019 by ex-Apple and Google chip engineers. And their goal with the startup was simply to make ARM-based CPUs. The acquisition is completed just a few months later in March of 2021. And suddenly Qualcomm gets this nice boost for ARM-based CPU design just a few months after Apple announces that M1. In June of 2022, Apple announced the M2 chip, which had sizable performance upgrades over the M1. Performance per watt increased over the M1 was 18% faster CPU, 35% more powerful GPU, and 40% faster neural engine, and 50% more memory bandwidth. So this is, of course, the M1 and then later the M2, Casey, in the midst of the pandemic. And there is this consumer electronics spending spree. So it's interesting here, the first half of 2022, leading up to the release of the M2, Apple's market share of of the PC industry actually peaks here in the low teens percentage, according to data from IDC. But this was a big surge. This was a big success for Apple, bridging that gap between what historically was the realm of PC and laptop and on a completely different camp, the smartphone and tablets. 
bridging the gap between the two was a huge financial success. I think that's the, the big takeaway here from this. And so this is what really got Microsoft really interested in getting up to speed, maybe getting those same ARM chips working in its PCs and laptops as well. And thus this deal with Qualcomm and then Qualcomm's acquisition of Nuvia. Unfortunately, Apple released the M2 just at the wrong time in regards to the consumer market. In the second half of 2022, it was the worst consumer electronic cyclical decline since the dot-com era began. Yeah, and it's been pretty nasty since then, Casey. Like we're just only now starting to bottom in in that demand cycle for consumer electronics here in at the end of 2023. So uh, nearly year and a half, very steep downturn. But it's in the midst of this that the M2 gets released. And then in the midst of this, we have all this talk about generative AI and this new use case for AI that helps potentially speed up a lot of things, everything from content creation, it could be writing, it could be artwork, or it could be the actual writing of software code, chat GPT. But suddenly we have this new computing use case where you have AI being developed in a data center somewhere and being delivered to devices, but it consumes a lot of power, not just creating the AI in the data center, but also the inference. That's when the AI is actually operated by the end user. So in February of 2023, Qualcomm shows off this on-device AI inference on an Android phone using the generative AI model stable diffusion. A couple of pictures here of what that looked like. Suddenly, now you have even more impetus to get ARM chips on all end devices because this new generative AI consumes so much power. On October 24th of this year, Qualcomm announced the Snapdragon X Elite for laptops, which will be available in 2024. It is planned to have big power to performance advantages over Intel and AMD processors. Yes, and a very interesting here, Casey, we had written another article postulating that the M3, Apple M3, was possibably going to get pushed out and to 2024. No announcement released until 2024. Well, surprise, less than a week after the Snapdragon X Elite is announced on October 30th, Apple has the secret event where they unveil the M3. Interestingly, they choose to compare it mostly to the M1, more so than the M2. But at any rate... Not coincidental that Apple releases the M3 less than a week after Snapdragon X Elite. In addition to this, in late October, rumors also surface that Qualcomm's exclusive development deal with Microsoft will come to an end at, at the end of 2024. And NVIDIA and AMD have also probably been working on some ARM-based PC processors that they would like to have ready by 2025. No official word on that yet. This is just the rumor mill at this point. Um, but you can see all of a sudden uh, all of this interest in getting ARM-based chips, not x86 chips, into laptops and PCs, helping bridge the gap between these two uh, computing platforms that have grown up alongside each other over the last few decades. 
you can really see how this seems like a showdown between Apple and Qualcomm. And it's possible that's exactly what it is. Competition means constant improvement in price to performance. It's also interesting to see that both companies are increasingly talking about AI capabilities, specifically that on-device AI inference. So Nick, explain that to us a little bit more. Right. Casey, I think, again, maybe just to reiterate from our history lesson here, two things happened that I think really moved Microsoft and the whole x86 ecosystem, Intel and AMD processors, the instruction set architectures that they utilize, and then the Windows operating system to finally start looking at ARM-based chips more seriously. The first, obviously, that financial success of Apple, not just in smartphones and tablets, but now also in PC land. And then AI. Whenever you have these big jumps in computing use cases, there's usually a, a big performance increase that comes with that. But whenever you have a big increase in computing power, well, you also have lots of more energy consumption. In this case, with generative AI, it's a lot of energy consumption. These are very, very large, let's just call them big pieces of software. They gobble up a lot of energy to operate. And so if you can get them to operate on a more energy efficient chip, a reduced instruction set computer chip, a risk chip arm, well, that's fantastic. That means a better experience, a better performance for the end user, for the consumer. And that's what's going to spur on adoption is if you can present the consumer with something that's economically viable and easy to operate. So that's the main thrust of this article that we wrote Earlier this year, Qualcomm talking about on-device AI, getting the inference out of the data center that consumes lots of power and sticking it directly on the device after the AI has been trained. Ultimately, it sounds like Apple and Qualcomm are just trying to get a cut of the, the next PC markets that's going to emerge. Apple is playing its own game here, comparing its M3 chip to its N1 chip getting folks who maybe have an M1 device or maybe even have an Intel chip in their device, trying to get them to switch over to that new processor in the M3. And of course, Qualcomm would definitely like to get a good return on their partnership with Microsoft finally. Now, Casey, it's, I think it's an interesting point about Apple playing its own game here in comparing its benchmarks to itself rather than to the rest of the industry even though they have kind of set off this new arms race in, in PC and laptop. Sorry, no pun intended there. So I, let's show a couple of charts here from tech researcher IDC that we alluded to earlier. Now you can see Apple PC shipments in the third quarter of 2023. Bear in mind, this is still in the midst of, of this nasty downturn for consumer electronic sales. PC shipments for Apple were 10.6% of total devices shipped or total market share of PCs and laptops shipped in Q3 2023. That's down from 12.7% the year prior. So it seems that Apple market share peaked at about 13 to 14% during the last PC sales peak in let's say the first half of 2022. Again, according to IDC. Compare that to just 8.5% Apple market share in Q3 2020, 
and just 7% in Q3 2019 before those M-series chips came out. So I think it's pretty obvious here, those M-series chips have done wonders for Apple's MacBook and Mac lineup. Looking at this chart we created regarding Apple Mac revenue, you can see in 2018, the revenue was $25.2 billion, and then it peaked in 2022 at $40.2 billion. In 2023, you can see it had a bit of a fall off all the way back down to $29.4 billion. But still, you can see that Apple has ate up a ton of market share from traditional PC sales. And Casey, so yeah, the big drop off from 2022 to 2023, but still lots of new market share for Apple. And here's what they want a piece of, because like we said earlier, it does look like this nasty downturn for PC and laptop sales is coming to an end. And Intel and AMD have both signaled this to us pretty loud and clear. So Intel's client compute group, CCG, in Q3 2023, its revenue was $7.9 billion, up from $6.8 billion in Q2, just three months prior. So a, a big $1.1 billion quarter over quarter increase. And something similar for AMD, the other part of the x86 duopoly, its client segment in Q3, revenue of $1.45 billion, up from just $998 million in Q2, three months prior. So PC and laptop sales starting to heat up again. And if that's the case, Apple probably going to get a pretty sizable windfall from its Mac and MacBook sales again in 2024. And it sounds like Apple didn't give specific guidance on what that could look like, but they indicated expect a big uptick in Mac and MacBook sales in the coming year. So what are the comps on Apple's M3 versus the Snapdragon X Elite? We don't really know all the details yet. We'll have to wait for benchmark tests once they're available to the tech community to figure out what that looks like in the real world, especially for the Qualcomm powered laptops. But Nick can tell us what we know so far. Yeah, Casey, this is high level. And again, just to reiterate, we are not tech spec reviewers. I, I think none of this ultimately matters because to most consumers, they're not going to care about this. They just want a laptop that it's high performance and isn't going to run out of battery within two hours. Apple's already proven it can do this. Time will tell if Qualcomm can. But you can see the difference here, some high level stuff. Snapdragon X Elite chips are going to be manufactured using the four nanometer process. That could be Taiwan Semi or Samsung. Apple M3 using the three nanometer process. So that means Taiwan Semiconductor currently still the exclusive Apple manufacturer. As for CPU, Qualcomm calls its CPUs Orion. It has, it sounds like a max of 12 cores. And then, of course, on the M3, you have a range of different chips to choose from, depending on which MacBook you want, anywhere from 8 to 16 cores in that CPU. The performance itself, Casey, you mentioned Apple playing its own game. It's doing its comps to mainly the M1. CPU performance up to 50% faster than the M1 using the same amount of power, or uh, up to 30% faster than the M2. As for Qualcomm, they did throw some M2 chips in the benchmark because at that point there was no M3 out in the wild. But primarily the comparison is up against the Intel i7 and AMD 
Ryzen 9 flagship chips. And depending on the application and uh, what's being used, how much power, up to two and a half times faster performance at the same power usage. Uh, again, this depends on the application, but uh, a couple of charts here from Qualcomm that they were more than happy to show off uh, in early prototype benchmark tests. On the GPU front, the graphics processing unit on board the laptop, Qualcomm calls it the Adreno uh, processor, up to 4.6 teraflops or trillion floating point operations per second. For reference, an overclocked NVIDIA RTX 4090 can achieve over 100 teraflops. So this is not a high performance gaming laptop. This is not what Qualcomm was trying to develop here. This is a, a workhorse laptop uh, for the workforce. For Apple, it is interesting. Some big advances for them on the GPU, though, with the M3. They said that ray tracing is coming to their chips for the first time. And this new technology called dynamic caching with unified memory that should help accelerate some very, very high-end applications like video editing and maybe even some video game applications as well. On the NPU neural processing unit, this is where AI comes into the mix. Qualcomm says its NPU can handle 45 tops or trillions of operations per second versus the M3. It sounds like it's just 18 tops. So significant performance here for Qualcomm. This is where we think why Qualcomm has really been leaning into its work in developing on-device AI. Perhaps this will increase consumer interest uh, in some of these new Qualcomm-powered uh, laptops. But there's a catch here, Casey, and I think this is important. Uh, so Qualcomm itself has said mid-2024 is when this Snapdragon X Elite platform will be available. You can order an M3-powered Mac and MacBook right now. That's important. The M3 is available. The Snapdragon X Elite is not. Qualcomm has attracted a number of device manufacturers, a few of them like HP and Lenovo, making appearances at the Snapdragon Summit. Acer, Asus, Dell, Honor, which is a Chinese smartphone company that's entering the, the PC space, HP, Lenovo, and Microsoft, Surface, Samsung, and Xiaomi, all possibilities for utilizing this new Snapdragon Elite chip. This is clearly the point in the PC upgrade cycle when media hype takes over as everyone is jockeying for market share. The problem for Qualcomm is that it's arriving late to the party once again. Devices with these chips, as Nick mentioned, will not be available until mid-2024, and that could mean June or July, but many PCs may not even come until next autumn. So this gives everyone, including Intel and AMD, time to dish out their own chip refreshes in the meantime. So the question at this point, Casey, you know, all of this aside is going to be, will consumers buy Snapdragon X Elite based laptops? And as I mentioned earlier, the big defense for x86 for decades has been software support, software compatibility. If you're used to using Microsoft Office, uh, for example, will you be able to use that same software over on this new ARM-based computer? And it sounds like 
in the last few years, some of the delays that have been taking place with these new Windows on ARM laptops with Qualcomm's help is that they've been pouring all that development money into making sure all the software that you use on your traditional PC and laptop can now work on an ARM-based device on a Snapdragon X Elite. So that's what remains to be seen next year. I think, Casey, the good news is here, if you're a Qualcomm shareholder, uh, like we are, Qualcomm has the most to gain here and very little to lose. <laughs> they, they've been selling very, very few PC and laptop chips under this Windows agreement. Qualcomm, as we'll talk about here in just a moment, still trades at a fairly depressed valuation. So any pickup in PC chip sales could go a long way towards boosting profit margins for Qualcomm and help fuel that dividend and stock buybacks, which by the way, was always our main investment thesis. If you go back a year when we were making videos about Qualcomm, other things like automotive as well, the development of automotive and as revenue gets generated, profit margins go up, cash flow increases. So PC is one more uh, a leg to Qualcomm's future ability to generate profits. And for what it's worth, Qualcomm is also signaling a big uptick in sequential revenue as well, just like Intel and AMD. They said 9.1 to 9.9 billion in revenue to close out 2023 calendar year, up from 8.6 billion last quarter. Nick, what is the valuation between these two companies, Apple versus Qualcomm? So as of this recording, Casey, end of November 7th, 2023, Qualcomm stock trades for just 14 times trailing 12-month free cash flow. That's based on a stock price of just under $121 per share versus Apple, just under $182 per share. Apple stock actually trades for 29 times trailing 12-month free cash flow. So I don't know. Casey, I, I feel like investors are constantly giving Apple a pass with that valuation, but you know they have a much more consistent business model. Even in a pretty bad year, they merely flatlined and they're back to earnings growth already as they showed off in their latest quarter. So with this valuation, the market is already pricing in Apple's expected uptick in Mac and MacBook sales as well as iPhone sales. The iPhone 15, it sounds like it's a hit. And so they're going to be back to some probably modest growth for iPhone, their flagship device. But again, they're with Mac and MacBook sales. Casey, you already showed the chart earlier. More than $10 billion decline in Mac revenue from 2022 to 2023. So we think the market is pricing in that big upswing for Apple. For Qualcomm, not so much. Again, that stock price looks pretty depressed. And if they can start to gain a foothold in the PC market, this could be the start of a new growth driver for Qualcomm's uh, profitability in the years ahead. So for us personally, when we're talking about value stocks that we're interested in investing in, which ties into the last episode we did, Casey, where we talked about big semi-safe stocks that you can invest in even during turbulent times, this is the, the bucket that Apple and Qualcomm would fall into. Qualcomm looks like the clear winner to us. Even though its entrance into the PC market is flawed and uncertain, it looks like they have the most to gain. And if they do make those gains, 
we think the stock price has a higher likelihood of reflecting those possible wins for Qualcomm going forward. All right, that's a wrap for our episode today at Chipstock Investor. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and don't miss a video. We have an energy episode coming up, including companies like Air Products and Chemicals, Berkshire Hathaway, Albemarle, and Livent. So stay tuned. We will see you again soon here at Chipstock Investor. Stock Investor.